Thank you, Hannah, Paul, all that serve. We are certainly a blessed people. And so you want to turn those lights up, Blake. Um, and uh, it is a blessing to be here. We're thankful to have our Still Creek uh, family with us. And we get to partner with them in ministry. And it's an encouragement for us to see you, be with you. Thank you, James. And uh, wow, it's just a blessing to have you here this morning. Next week, House of Hope will be here. Looking forward to them. Uh, it's uh, always a blessing to be with them as well. Um, and so, Don, I'm preaching there tonight. So if you want to make the trip to House of Hope, we can do that, Madisonville. Uh, anybody that you want to participate, the House of Hope in Madisonville has a, a Sunday night service at 6 o'clock, and it is a blessing to be there. They're a pretty passionate group, and uh, it, it is a blessing to worship with them. Uh, there will be, we have camp. Those of you who are going to Camp Frontier leaving today, this afternoon, pretty quickly, most of you right after church, you know your check-in times. There was a thought that maybe they wouldn't have it this week because of coronavirus. All those issues were resolved. Uh, and so Frontier Camp, parents, you've got to be excited about that. Uh, you get a break from your kids, not that you need one for one week. But uh, so we have that happening. So we will not have, we will have our Wednesday night Bible class that we've just started. Uh, first week was a good kickoff for us, and uh, we had good attendance, great volunteers, uh, 7 to 8 o'clock. It's just running through uh, a total of uh, 12 weeks now through the summer. So we will have our Wednesday night Bible class. We will not have Zim this week, or Zion Youth Ministry, uh, because the majority of our kids are going to be at camp. So those are just some of the things you need to know about. And then two other if you, when you leave today or you're driving by, we have a new sign out front. The old sign was coming undone, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It really sets off the whole building as you see it. And uh, we owe Jeff Plotz uh, a, just a debt of gratitude. He designed it. They designed it. He put it up. He's probably mad at me for saying anything about it. And, uh, but they just did that, and it, it's absolutely. Take a look at it. It's really uh, very nice. And then uh, Don Veazey, the square guy. Um, he, and uh, he's a nerd, uh, but he's a, a masculine, he's a masculine nerd. And, you know, he's a United States Air Force guy and he's just a good guy. But, uh, he, uh, forgive me <laughs> again. I've had to ask twice for forgiveness before it's over two or three more times. But anyway, uh, he's got to set up on a YouTube channel now. So we'll send an email out about that. And then, uh, it'll be in the bullet next week. So if you want to go and you can go to YouTube and it's the Zion Church Curtain and it's very nice. So, uh, the next verse in, in the scripture reading that Paul read uh, was verse 2 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. And, uh, and it's the verse, I don't like using the term favorite verse. I've used that term on many occasions. But if I had to have one verse, Genesis through Revelation, that captures the entire biblical record for me. From the first word in Genesis to the last word in Revelation... Paul makes this statement, for I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He, he writes most of the New Testament. He writes Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is inspired by God. Paul wrote most of that New Testament. And as a former Pharisee, a teacher of the law, persecutor of the church, you could read his testimony in the third chapter of Philippians. Chosen by God 
You can read of his conversion in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. You can read of his persecution of the church in the sixth and seventh chapter of the books of Acts. But his statement to the Corinthians, and Paul read it, wonderfully read about the message of the cross and the wisdom of God and the foolishness of men. But this verse, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Every single word in the Bible. Every word. Every word in God's holy writ has a foundation in that statement. We've been studying in Philippians and Philippians uh, the opening statement that Paul makes in Philippians chapter 1 is that I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ. So he's confident of that. He's got this biblical, spiritual, Christian confidence. And then uh, where we started this series is that he includes a prayer. And in Philippians, he, he has this prayer in that first chapter where he makes this wonderful statement in relationship to the confidence that he has in God. He writes, and this I pray, verse 9, that your love may abound, grow still more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. So he's confident that he who began a good work in you and me will complete it till the day of Christ. And then he prays that your love, our love, will abound, grow even more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. So we started with the section when Paul says knowledge, his foundation for knowledge would begin in the Old Testament. And we went over those passages, and on your handout there, you'll see some of them here about this real knowledge and all discernment, that so our love would grow more and more. Uh, Paul's old, and these are just a few. Not going to recap those, but Paul's Old Testament understanding was that real knowledge and discernment began with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. But you can go throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament, and there's never a diversion from that biblical truth. It's not being taught today. It should be taught regularly. That our knowledge as a foundation, a beginning, our knowledge of God, and then how that translates to the way we live our life as Christians, should, it has to begin with the fear of the Lord. It is a good thing for you to fear God. Paul, Solomon's conclusion in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 was the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. We fear a lot of things that we shouldn't fear. Jesus says we fear those that can kill the body, but we don't fear the one. The one we should fear is that after the body is dead, that he, can, he has the power of judgment, eternal life in heaven or eternal damnation in hell. Well, you would do us good to fear him. We love him, but our knowledge begins with fear. So now moving forward, though, then this statement about I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I want that to be plain. I want you and I to understand that as best as we can. So go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul wrote it, and uh, he makes some introductory statements, but they're culminating statements, and really they're comprehensive statements. So uh, he says the message of the cross in 1 Corinthians is foolishness to those who are perishing. He said it's a scandal. The Greek word is scandalon, 
to the Jewish people. That's right there in the first chapter of Corinthians. He writes to the Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for those that believe. So you pull all this together, all this inspired scripture and verses that have to do with knowledge, Old Testament, New Testament, and now you and I are Christians, we live here in America, and uh, it's 2021, and we've just experienced a pandemic. I don't guess we're through with that. I guess we'll be through with that when the government says we are. Um, and so we have that, and uh, you got all kinds of political and, well, you just have all the unrest and all the rebellion and all the killing and disease that began right after the garden. And uh, Eve and Adam's sin went from the rebellion of, of eating something God told them not to eat to then being expelled from the garden to their first two sons, one killing the other. Cain killed Abel. And we've been killing each other since that very moment. Men and women and parents. And we've been, we've been, we've been masters at killing. We don't need a gun to kill. We don't need a rock to kill. We don't need a bomb to kill. We use it, but we just kill. And we do it over geography, and we do it out of just plain, simple evilness. And me, if you're a Christian, you, living in the world that we live in today, I need to fully understand what it means in the midst of living in a dark, broken, lost world. Do you know why we have Still Creek? Do you know why we have a house of hope? Residential treatment facilities. Do you know why we have jails and prisons and a jail in every county seat in all the 50 states of America? Prisons in all 50 states of America. Courthouses in every county and every state in America. Because we're broken. We live in a broken world. Now we have churches, and I'm not talking about a building. I'm thankful for a building. But the church is just nothing more than the body of Christ. It's you and me. It's it's what's called the ecclesia, the, the assembled, the called out. And so we have churches throughout the world. So you have churches who are supposed to believe in the words of Scripture and believe, I hope, the statement in John 3.16 where the great statement for what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That statement's repeated over and over and over and over throughout history. Since the moment it was said 2,000 years ago, and in fact, you can turn on a football game on Sunday, and a lot of times in the end zone, somebody will be throwing a John 3.16, that famous verse. And so we got people called out, assembly, ecclesia, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, the children of God, the church that meet throughout the world, 
And we're supposed to be united on the basis of a message and our faith in that message. It's not our faith. We wrongly take responsibility for something that's not ours. You, I would never want you to depend upon my faith. I hope you never depend on your faith. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of faith. He is, not you and I. So he authors the faith that we have. He perfects the faith that we have. And Paul would again say to the Philippians, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. And part of that work is growing, authoring, and developing that faith that he gave you. But we wrongly take credit for that. It's almost like God did 50% of uh, the saving work in my life, and I did 50%. That was boldly and sinisterly wrong. Then you could be gracious and say, well, okay, God did 99% of the salvation, and I did 1%, and that would be just as wrong. Salvation alone is only the work of God. I think Paul Jenkins shared with me this week, wasn't it Piper who said something about the molecule? Well, you were sharing, but who said that about the molecule? If he doesn't, what was it? What was the quote? I meant to write that down. Say that again. Yeah. So I want you to hear that. If you had one maverick molecule, one maverick mo- that existed in all the universe, God is not sovereign. Well, that'd be, you think of that. But God is sovereign. And so really quickly, I want to move through this because for you and I to be a Christian in a dark, broken world, in the midst of a sovereign God who has saved me all by himself, and he's developing faith in me, he's doing this work, and the prayer is that my love would grow in real knowledge and discernment, and real knowledge and discernment is, I presume, and I determine to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing. So if my marriage, my friendships, my business, my finances, my health, everything, rather than thinking about the things that you know about money or the things that you know about marriage or the things that you know about raising kids or the things that you know about, you know, anything, any number, diet, health, aging, retirement funds. If See, we are so dependent upon what we know. Take any of those categories, and not only those, but every category in your life, and say, now, I'm going to study this. I'm going to learn this based upon the knowledge of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, for instance, marriage, it's the obvious one. It's easy. They're all easy, really. But in Ephesians chapter 6, so if I say, I'm married, and Dr. Phil has some advice on marriage, and there's a a jillion books, self-help books about marriage, and so I learn that, and I read that, and, well, that makes pretty good sense to me. And then uh, soap operas have, you know, uh, Hollywood scripted stories about marriage. So it's just knowledge, right? But now go to Ephesians chapter 6, and here is knowing something in light of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So instead of knowing what Dr. Phil or Oprah or, a, you know, a self-help guru or somebody a Hollywood scriptwriter or a poet or a songwriter would write you about marriage and love. There, here's the one knowing Jesus Christ, the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. Huh, 
husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's the only marital advice any husband ever needs. That's the only marital counsel any husband needs. Wives, honor yourselves. Honor your husbands as to the Lord. That's the only knowledge you need to know. And it's all based upon the crucifixion of Jesus. If I don't know how to love my wife as to the Lord, uh, as the Lord loved, all I have to do is look to that cross. Now I know everything I need to know about loving my wife. It happened right there. Jesus Christ him crucified. Wives, if, if you really want to know how to live in harmony in your marriage, you won't find it anywhere other than what happened on Golgotha. So that's it. That's all you need to know. But then you could do that with anything. So now Paul writes in Ephesians. I've got to wrap this up in a little less than 15 minutes. That's good. So he writes to Ephesians. He says uh, in verse 3, chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The entire letter then, every single verse, every single adjective, adjective every single noun, verb, adverb, uh, adverb punctuation mark, question, any has to do with him proving that statement. The entire book is the proof of this statement. So if you wanted to know what every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus was, all you'd have to do is read. You could just start in verse 4 and go through, and you would know. And then you wouldn't have to depend upon uh, your own thoughts about blessings. We say, well, this is a blessing. Well, maybe it is. But right here, this, and there, here's the first one, and this has to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Number one, the saddest thing in the world for me is um, a child that is born that no one wants. And, and it's everywhere. Read it again. And I'm going to add a verse to it. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. When my parents, uh, I was 11 months old and they got a divorce and uh, my dad went off. He was working in Colorado and uh, my uh, mom was very young and she, uh, and I actually admire her for this. I truly do. Um, she had a very, 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 very difficult life. You know, we should never judge anyone unless we kind of know the, the backstory. Uh, that was a word that Clay used this morning in Bible class. We're talking about kind of how we act. And it's kind of good if you know the backstory. But so when I was 11 months old and my sister was three, my mother couldn't handle life it, because of all the 
And so she dropped us off at an orphanage. And every time I read this verse, it resonates for me. I don't talk about it a whole lot. And then she went to California. I didn't see her again until I was 14. Some of you Still Creek kids may be able to relate to this at some level. Um, and I don't believe in coincidence. But So I don't really remember much about that. I don't. I mean, I was 11 months old and I was four. I was there for three years. I remember some. Then my dad, my biological dad, married my stepmother, who was a gift from God. And they were able to get custody of us. And, you know, James, you live in this world of all these kind of stories, don't you? You see the good, you see the bad, you see the... And so you just... And it's hard sometimes to stay encouraged, isn't it? You know? And then if you're a kid that's dealing with all that, just... You're young. How do you deal with it, right? So number one, about every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that God has promised, this is a blessing, and here's this great thing, I presume to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lesson number one, that before you were ever born, before, and the scripture, Jeremiah said, I, that God knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. Do you know that God knew you? God knew you. God has always known you. God has never not known you. God, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. And before you were formed in your mother's womb. And he had a plan in spite of all the, the, you know, how could somebody not want their children? How could they? The abortion clinics are, I think it's a trillion dollar business. I know it's a billion dollar business. It's a billion dollar hitman murder business. People don't want a child. Satan provides all the deception we need to justify that. People can't handle it. And so we have all these things, government. The government doesn't know how to handle it. Praise God you have a still creek. Praise God you have a place where somebody said, here's what we know. We know Jesus Christ and him crucified. We know him that is greater than any government institution and entity. We know him that is greater than all the darkness and evil and abortion clinics and, and, and whatever. And we're going to live by faith. And we're going to provide a place that God has authored and perfected by faith. Because we serve a risen Savior. And he's risen because he submitted himself to the point of death. And here's the beauty. Don't ever forget this. Listen. He knew before you and I were ever born, before there was a Curtin, Texas, or a Bryan, Texas, he knew that there would be a Still Creek. He knew that there would be places where somebody, a child, think about the, the horror and the beauty of this statement, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, and he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Now, why would you have to be adopted? Why? Why would anybody have to be adopted? Maybe you would... My mom and dad love me. We live in a healthy, loving relationship, and you know what? You still, you know, you need, you have to be, you and I have to be adopted by God. 
Because even with the best parents in the world, oh, we have the burden of sin. David writes about it in the 51st Psalm. He said, I was born in iniquity. Even in the best of situations, because of the sin that occurred out of the garden and everything moving forward and all the brokenness in the world, we've been born iniquity. We're born sinners. And what did God do? He said, I got a predetermined plan. Grace, I got a plan. Haley, I got a plan. We got a plan. He's got a plan. And he never has a random moment. God never says, there's no, what do you call it, a maverick molecule, Paul? There's no maverick molecule. There's never a moment where God's sitting over there, Clay, and he's thinking, you know, I don't know. What am I going to do on uh, June 13th in 2021? What, what, what am I, I don't know. I'm just waiting for Allison to make some kind of decision over here. Really? What do we, do we do? have this foolish impression of God. And the inspired scripture uh, that has to do with Jesus Christ and him crucified is that he already knew. And in his knowledge, he said, before this whole thing ever is put in place, there's going to be a moment in time. There's going to be a place in history. There's going to be a place called Golgotha. There's going to be a piece of wood. There's going to be my son. And although they've always chosen sin, I'm going to provide the sacrifice and the answer for sin. And the only child that God never adopted, there's only one child that he never adopted, and it was his son. If you don't think that you have value to God, Paul says it in Romans chapter 5, he said, you know what? A man might die. A man maybe, he might die. He might die for a good man. But God showed his great love for us. And while we were yet wicked, oh, he allowed his own son to be killed. And let me tell you how and why. Let me tell you the legal action that took place. Let me tell you the court system that, if you want to think of it that way, the legal documentation, the the thing that made a judge, the judgment that set it in place. I've been in a courthouse where there was an adoption. That's where it happened, right there on the cross. Your knowledge of being an adopted son, child, daughter of God is based upon what happened on that cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I got about four more minutes, and i that's okay because there's a whole lot, but that's where it starts. Now, let's just get the next one. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, all of this happened. All of this happened. You know what Satan wants you to do? He wants you to curse God. He wants you to rebel against God, and he wants you to curse God. If you've ever read the book of Job, and Job lost everything, his health, his children were killed. God allowed allowed Satan to test Job. But he knew something about Job's faith because he had authored his faith. He had perfected his faith. He knew where Job's faith came from. And so he said, okay, Satan, you can do that. 
when Satan was suffering, his, some friends, not good friends, tried to come and convince him that how evil he was. And even his wife told him, curse God and die. It'd just be better if you curse God and die. Satan wants you and I to curse God and die. We live in a vile world where people are cursing God and dying. And because of Jesus Christ and him crucified in the knowledge, we can look at verse 6 and say, something happened. When God chose us before the foundation of the world, when he predetermined that he was going to adopt us through his son because of that cross, something happened. And the church needs more and more and more of it. We need to praise. The natural response is praise of the glory of his grace. He only did everything that he's ever done. And it's hard for you and I to understand because of his grace. The only son that he never adopted was hung on the cross at the hands of cruel men. And he would go on to say in the Ephesians, he said that you and I, although we were far off, he's brought us near by the blood of his son. Now, I don't know how badly you think you need grace. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much time you spend praising or giving glory to anything. We praise and give glory to professional athletes and musicians and Hollywood stars and But because of Jesus Christ and him crucified, you and I get the free, free bestowing of God's grace on us. And it's the only moment and the only place and the only person that is worthy of praise. And it's because of the glory of his grace. So we're going to end there. All of that has to do with the totality of everything that I know about my adoption as a son of God. The grace that was freely bestowed upon me as a sinner. And it inspires this thing in me to praise him and give him glory. Is because I determined to know nothing. But Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I would pray that you deeply insert into each one of our hearts and just you deeply instill it into each one of our hearts um, the real abounding love that comes from real knowledge and discernment. And every piece of knowledge and discernment that we have will be based upon your son and him crucified. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.